Finding this podcast magical? Why not toss a coin to your Witches and a Druid podcast through the Acast supporter feature? It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to show your support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Canadian podcast about paganism in today's modern society. And now, Three Witches and a Druid Podcast present Levent du Nord. Thank you. 
Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to Three Witches and a Druid, where we are sitting around the coffee table enjoying some beautiful summer-inspired sangria. It's called Celebration. Uh Thank you, Ryan. Yes. (laughs) I am Margo. And I am Maeve. Gwen. I am Lawrence. And I'm Brian. So yeah, we're sitting around, we're drinking Celebration uh, Sangria. I was supposed to manifest our community and love into it, and instead I manifested the cat biting my ankle. But it's actually good. It's really delicious. Uh, we'll post the recipe. But yeah, we have a guest tonight for probably the next three episodes because we can't let them leave and uh, they're stuck. Uh, so tonight's topic uh, has been one of our most requested topics. It is Akkadian witchcraft, also known as Akkadian like folk magic. Yeah, so it was, fu- it was funny. I went for uh, drinks with Lawrence, and I mentioned the podcast at one point, and I had mentioned Akkadian witchcraft, and they happened to mention, oh, I'm writing a book on that. So here so we are. So we snagged her. Yes. Yeah. yes. Oh, that is right. <laughs> so we're in Nova Scotia. Now, none of us are Akkadian. I'm not Acadian. I don't no. think my I'm grandchildren Acadian. are Acadian, so that's very cool. Uh, yeah. oh, my yeah. grandchildren are Acadian, yes, but I have two grandchildren that are Acadian, so yeah. that's very cool. And see, I don't know. Whether but maybe we need to. Maybe we need. Lawrence, could you tell people? Because we thought we were a little local podcast, and we're not. Could you tell people what Acadians are? Of yes. course, of course. So Acadians came out um, to the uh, North Americas in the early 17th century. They settled in little coastal communities, mainly around the Bay of Fundy, southern Nova Scotia, what was then known as Port Royal, and Lewisburg. So they were quite spread out over the province, and they've lived on this land in uh, partnership with the Mi'kmaq peoples for a solid century until the British and ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they've had quite a footing here, and they still do to this day, a very vibrant culture. So there's quite a bit of Acadians in uh, Cape Breton as well, is that correct? They would be there too as well. Uh, many of them were deported there during the deportations, okay. um, along with everywhere else in the Maritimes, going down to Louisiana. Uh, but some ended up on Cape Breton and made friends with uh, the Scottsdales that were yeah. there too. Okay. There's a population of them along the west coast of Newfoundland as well. Many mm-hmm. of them during the expulsion, some went south, mm-hmm. some went here, some went there. But there is, there's like a French shore in Newfoundland along the west coast. So okay. I'm not aware of any of Acadians in PEI. About that. Uh, they are in PEI. Oh, they are. Oh. My ancestors were uh, fled to PEI during the deportation. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So it, it's pretty much it's a it's a relatively maritime concept. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Correct. And as you just said, they got deported down to Louisiana, and that's how we have Cajuns? Correct, absolutely. Cajuns are part of our wonderful little family. However, the deportation was very traumatic. It was more than Louisiana. They were kicked out of every community uh, along the East Coast. Some were sent back to France, some to England. They were really dispersed without a care as to what would happen to them. Right. So you'd think out of that history... And all of that time and the mix, like not the mixing of cultures, but like the communicate, the, the combining of lifestyles, something come from that, like in a magical sense. Absolutely. Especially in a little community where you don't have priests yet in 
North America in the 17th century, they have yet to come across. People made their own traditions with their own remembrances of what church was like. So a lot of their rituals were personal, um, familial based as well. A lot of them included local saints that they venerated. So it was a very personal belief system. I think you see it like I mentioned Cape Breton, um, mostly because of Shetty Camp. And I always got a kick at it when you go up to Shetty Camp, how many tea shops there are. And every tea shop has a tea leaf reading mm -hmm. in the window that anyone can go in and kind of pay $30 and get your tea leaves read. read. Mm -hmm. So I always sound like, cause that, that to me is always a sort of screamed stereotypical Acadian. <laughs> <laughs> we love our games, absolutely. Uh, anything to pass the time where nothing could be done after you farm, right? So reading tea leaves, game with dice, playing cards, all of those could be used in divination. Yeah. Well, and that's the key point there, divination. Yeah. Yeah. So you're a student from Ottawa yeah. and you have moved here to Halifax. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you do here in Halifax. Absolutely. I am a costume studies student at Dalhousie University. I'm in my second year in a diploma. So I'm really doing year three and four at the same time. And aren't I insane? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, I have adored this city so far. I've only been here a year and I'm already smitten and not ready to move anywhere else. Oh, is that true? Yes. So you're stuck You're stuck here for a bit? I want to be a Maritimer so badly. <laughs> it's really easy to do. Yes. You just decide you're going to move here and boom, you're a Maritimer. That's, yeah. it. That's what like I New, did. It's not like Newfoundland where you get to kiss fish oh, and do all this complicated <laughs> stuff. No, no you're, just, you're just here. You learn a little little bit of our uh, dialect. And, and eat a terrible donair. Eat get a drunk donair at Pizza too. Corner. You go. <laughs> pizza Corner. Well, drunk, you're yeah. initiated. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get donairs. Oh. Are you kidding? No, I had one. It was gross. It's awesome. You're no. crazy. No. That when I used to come visit family, see, this is one of our digressions. When I <laughs> used to come visit family, when I lived in Winnipeg, the first thing I would do was get a donair. That and a Joe Louis. What? We didn't have Joe Louis in, in Manitoba Western either. Canada doesn't yeah. have. Do you know they're there now? What? What? Yeah. have outside the Times is Brothers Pepperoni. You can't get that anywhere else in the country. No, no his brother's is a local butcher. Yeah. 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 Do you guys have garlic fingers in Ottawa? No, we don't. I was initiated to that by my roommate, and I don't understand the craze. No. Oh. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's it? <laughs> garlic? Oh, and my God. Bread. And white flour. Yeah. Yes. What's, what's, what? A lot of them don't have cheese, though. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, I got <gasps> cheese. Yeah, but with the cheese, you'll like it much better. So you're a historical tailor seamstress? Aspiring to be. Yeah. Okay. That's what I do as homework, so that's pretty fun. And right. before that, I studied at Ottawa U with an undergraduate in history and a minor in Celtic studies. Oh, wow. So, yeah, research is my favorite thing to do. <laughs> Good to know. We will at some point abuse that. Maybe. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so tell us, what do you feel you've learned over time about Acadian witchcraft, Acadian folk magic. Of course. Uh, my interest began as I graduated university and I had access to all of these amazing books in their library about local history, cultural history, anthropology, you name it. It was all there, just thick books on just anything like Acadian history and folklore and stories, and I was hooked. Of course, my family is from the Saguenay Lac Saint Jean area, and I grew up with people speaking in dialects of French, of uh, Quebec. French and all that fun stuff. And 
hearing some stories here and there, but I really wanted to dig down deep into the my culture and see what was there. Because I've had instances where I was with my grandmother, she brought us to church and we just did the little like palm frond weaving and she's like, this protects your house. So I've been asking my elders for so, so, so many stories and little superstitions that they believe in. And I write those down. I'm like, perfect. So that's, an, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. What did you say? The, the palm, palm fronds from yeah. uh, Palm Sunday. Yeah. And uh, you're supposed to leave them on the entrance of your home all year. No touching it. And uh, protects your house for the whole year. Wow. I feel like we need to write that one down. <laughs> it's almost like the Acadian version of the Bridget's Cross. Yes. Weaving a Bridget's Cross. I mm-hmm. am curious if the palm frond gets some of its power because it comes from the church, right? Mm-hmm. That would probably be Palm Sunday or whatever. She yeah. she did it in church. It mm-hmm. was the one that was used within the Catholic ritual. Yeah. And if we just go and take some palm fronds out of the local grocery store flower supply, it may not have the same oats <laughs> yes. as the one that went through the, but yes, something so to it, think about. Yeah, it, it would be again something that you would need to design a ritual around, <laughs> around. To, yeah. to give it the same Juice. the same power, the yeah. same force. Yeah. That's the beauty, I think, of these kinds of folk traditions because throughout the 1604 until 1650, there were made to be like seven priests for at least 3,000 people spread out over the entire province of Nova Scotia. It was not easy to travel or go to church. Some people went to church maybe twice a year, just out of sheer necessity. They couldn't go as often as they wanted to, so they made their own rituals at home. So right. it teaches the fact that, you know, you could do blessed palm prompts yourself. They did holy water themselves. You don't need a church for that, so they often found a way. Yeah, very interesting. Very cool. And I think that's that's great. We all need to do that. It doesn't matter if you can't think of your own personal culture as being distinct or whatever. It doesn't matter where your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents came from. Whatever little quirky things like that, write it down. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the treasure Incorporate books. it. Yes. Yeah. Even, it, even just singing a song and doing a braid, you're putting energy yeah. into it. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Yeah. Sort of idea. Yeah. So what are some other things that you've uh, come across? I mostly do my research through scholarly articles and journals from yep. university presses um, on the role of women in Acadian society, the role of uh, medicinal herbs between the Mi'kmaq and Acadian cultures. I also rely a lot on books about how they migrated from the north and southwestern France to hear the differences in geography and climate and their priorities. So for me, learning about Acadian culture informed me also about the land that they lived on yeah. and how they viewed that land. So it also informs my practice today in that same sense. Yeah. Can I ask, you mentioned the role of women in Acadian culture. Mm-hmm. Was there a gender difference in who did the magic or who held the magic or the type mm-hmm. of magic? Good question. Magic was for everybody in the society. For example, my great-grandmother lived on the Magdalen Islands in the Gulf of St. Lawrence, a little speck of land battered by the North Atlantic. 
And my great grandmother as a child would pray to St. Anne that her father would return from the fishing grounds all right. My great grandmother, Anastasia, would draw with holy water on the window panes as a charm to make the husband come back home. And the fishermen who went out to the ocean also had their own rituals to make sure they had a good catch, to make sure they stayed safe on the ocean. You could not whistle at all on a boat that was to attract evil spirits. Mm, so they really? had their own little traditions, no matter what part you worked in or where you were, it was for everybody to cope with their really harsh life. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. As you've been collecting these family anecdotes and family remembrances, have you found them echoed in the scholarly work or? Yeah. You bet I did. <laughs> I How to, cool. I went to a family funeral at one time last summer and my uncle said at some point in the conversation, grandma can stop bleeding. And I'm like, could you elaborate on that please it's like yeah blood stoppers they're they pray over the phone for someone who's called be like i'm injured can you help me and my grandma would pray and the bleeding would stop and when you look at scholarly sources of folklore blood stoppers have been known to be in the community to be called upon for that service i just got chills so that's yes very cool yeah. yeah they're so fascinating So as you've been researching for your book, and you could tell us maybe where you are in the process, Mm. but did you go down any rabbit holes that you weren't expecting? Hmm. Oh my gosh, the rabbit holes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, in the process right now, it's a new idea that I've had to really concentrate myself on a book. I've been researching this on and off for the past two years. I knew I had to put it down somewhere instead of all these random notebooks. And I figured a book would be a great thing to give back to a community that's really curious about it. Rabbit hole-wise, a lot of it has to do with the stories they tell around... um, a kitchen hearth or after a fiddling session you get to see um, little characters pop up again and again in stories like Tijan or like the main hero of the story fairies are in there too so you get to go down rabbit holes of mythological creatures and folklore that come from France sometimes further into Western Europe so you go down so many rabbit holes with this research <laughs> it's nuts can you elaborate on their concept of fairies? Absolutely. In fact, there's a whole presentation that Eric Le Charité did um, at a pagan festival about the good fairies and French Canadian folklore. So a lot of these fairies appeared in stories where the hero had to go into the woods or some wilderness place where people usually aren't found. A good fairy can appear. Um, they're not very regimented. They could be um, over in charge of anything. Like the storyteller could say, oh, it's the queen of the birds or something like that. So she's in charge of all the birds and she gives you maybe a stick to protect yourself on your journey and it's a magical stick. So she's there to help the hero on some days and other days she puts obstacles in his path to make the journey harder. And of course we have an array of different fae folk who, uh, like the washerwoman, we have that in our culture as well, who stay by the riverside and presume like someone's death mm-hmm. soon. So we that- have those too. That is common in many, 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 almost all the Celtics and European, the washerwoman by the ford. Because most of the French folklore that has come over here really comes from Brittany, where Mm -hmm. it was a heavy cultural, like Celtic nation. So that's really where we got most of our face stories from. I just recently learned of, I'm going to say this wrong, I apologize, Wikla Mujik, which is the Micmac version of fairies. Mm-hmm. They have a whole, there's a whole yeah. cult, like concept and culture. I'm curious how much that would have been affected mm-hmm. or 
maybe affected the Akkadian version of fairies. It wouldn't surprise me. Right. It would not surprise me, especially the fact that they did trade with each other and they did live within each other's families by marriage. Right. So, of course, they communicated a lot about their cultures when they could. Right. Um, they could have influenced each other's fairies uh, mythos. I know for a fact that um, the French Nougat or werewolf also integrated itself into indigenous mythology with their cannibal monsters. So and skin washers together. And such, yeah. mm-hmm. So there was a lot of synchronism going on as well. Right. I haven't said it yet. No fairies. No, it's not. It's not no fairies. <laughs> I don't do fairies. No, no fairies. The best you can have maybe is a household like lutin that they call in French, little elves. And if you're not careful, if you have a horse, they'll ride the horse all night, put little braids in its hair, like tangles. So you have to undo them in the morning. <laughs> but we, we live in Canada. We got house hippos. So yeah. I, I'll take a house hippo. Yes. No fairies. Um, <laughs> what would you consider a house hippo? A no, why not? I would give it peanut butter crumbs as offerings. <laughs> no, no, no fairies. <laughs> you mentioned the, the scattering of the culture. Do you feel that when that happened, that each of them may have taken little parts of what they had and sort of grew upon it? Or do you think there was almost like a connection where the story so evolved together? Good together. question. Well, like, because like, like we're talking about how the expulsion created Cajuns. Cajuns are very, very different people mm-hmm. due to their climate, their environment, and the culture they grew up in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, the Acadians, they did, they did take pieces of home with them for security and comfort and love. But when you go into a new place where you're not the most favored group, um, arriving as a minority, a language minority on top of that, you have to adapt in certain ways. So for the Cajun well-known group that came out of the expulsion, right, they adapted themselves to uh, the Black community there, to the Southern community there. So they really had their culture impacted by that. Right. And, and when you think a new culture from that. The agricultural culture that they had here mm-hmm. wouldn't fly in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. They would have to learn all new things, have all new ways of, you know, marginal animal husbandry mm-hmm. and hunter gathering and different food source and all, out of food or a lot of culture and mm-hmm. food goes together, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So that's uh, there was in Nova Scotia ten or fifteen years ago there was a big Acadian culture Sort of reunion, reunion. yes. And apparently, a lot of people came up from Louisiana and this because they knew that their families had come out of here, and that there was a lot of, you know, they they still had all common sayings and gestures, Mm -hmm. and and there'd be some music that would be the same. Yeah. Well, you know, zydeco music comes out of Acadian music. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So very interesting. It's for me, John the Baptist is born, well, not born, um, has his day on the 24th, and Christ has his day on the 25th, exactly six months apart. Yeah. Oh, I never put that together. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it's little connections like that. Little connections like that, like little local festivals from France, they have a a nice little pagan flavor deep down. Yeah. Now, at the same time, and 100%, please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm under the impression that Acadian Catholicism or Christianity. Mm Is the most what's the term when you have multiple gods and goddesses? Uh, a lot of saints, and all yeah. A lot of yeah. there's a lot of saints. There's no 
single worship. There's multiple mm-hmm. worships. Absolutely. Akkadian uh, religion. Why can't I think of that word? Monotheistic. Yeah. Yeah. Monotheistic. Yeah. Yeah. Is he really so having this much trouble with monotheism? No, shut your mouth, Gwen. No, yeah. <laughs> I think we get we, a lot of that. Once Protestantism hit, yeah. the saints and Mary and things mm-hmm. like that very much disappeared. But mm-hmm. regular Catholicism has it, but I imagine Akkadian. Oh, yeah, no, they, they were very attached to their saints and to especially to the Virgin Mary. It was mm-hmm, their right. patron saint. The Stella Maris, their flag, is based off of the Virgin Mary. Um, I was so not aware of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their anthem is in it, is a, a chant to Mary. Uh, so they really relied on her to be their guiding star in the ocean. And with their, her mother, St. Anne, as well, she was the patron saint for French Canadians. Mm-hmm. So when they oh, went St. Anne's College down. Yeah, St. Anne de Beaupre. Yeah. Like, all of that St. Anne de Beaupre, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I, I really feel like they have a lot more emphasis on, like, female figures in their traditions. Right, mm-hmm. right. Really, really wonderful to see. Yeah. The, the Catholic in general kept Mary, mm-hmm. but the Acadian really kept, I think, more of their saints. And mm-hmm. there's a lot more, more, a, more <coughs> a wider variety of but, ways to worship. Absolutely. Yeah. Because every family had their own little chapel if they could, their own little statues, their ox photos on their property. And they pray to those regularly to ensure a fine and good catch and to return safe from the sea. So it was a very personal worship outside of the church. Because the fishermen were stuck on boats for some of the holy days. They couldn't attend church regularly, so they had to find ways to stay connected that way. And as you were saying, that first 50-odd years, there's no way they could either make it to a church or a priest could visit everybody Mm -hmm. in a regular fashion. So if you set up a personal practice, Mm -hmm. things over time get more and more personal and more family-related. Yeah, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So it would continue down that way even as more priests Mm -hmm. became available. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because there probably wouldn't have even been a, even if the priest did visit, you know, once every five months, probably wasn't even a church in the town. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's right. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. You would say they'd have to go out to the fields or on the grass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. And then I'm just picturing the what kind of a ritual would be to make that sacred ground. You know, because that's a sacred ground is a concept is would would be a necessary concept too. So absolutely. I mean, a fun little thing that I like to do that they did as well is on the Easter morning before the sun rises, find yourself a creek, get the water from said creek, and that becomes your holy water for the whole year. It has very curative and healing properties for the ears and the eyes, and that's what they use to bless everything in their house. So, so from Easter morning. Easter morning. Mm-hmm. Bright and early. <laughs> Bright and early. Well, so interesting that, that sort of thing, because I had a British grandmother, mm-hmm. and she lived on, so she was half Welsh. So there was so much folklore that she did. And when you say, get that for your eyes and this, it was always May Day morning. You're supposed to go out and get the dew off the Uh grass. We also have that. Make yourself beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It hasn't helped that much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In fact, like the Acadians are so attached to Mary. They have a whole month for her, the month of May. So it begins with the flower procession on May 1st. And then you just concentrate on the rosary all months long and like initiate her mysteries and it's very and that's primarily Acadian tradition it's a very French tradition in any case yeah isn't it yeah. because that the month of May in sort of a, a Greco-Roman sort of deal was uh, dedicated to Maya yeah mm-hmm. and there was a flower procession and this so a lot of these things they you know it was 
Christianity stamps were put on top of things yeah. that have been going and going and that, going forever. That arose out of an agricultural mm-hmm. um, yeah. society relationship yeah. to the land and to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, Christianity trademark. <laughs> 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 Can you think of any other sort of nuggets of wisdom from sort of the? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Acadian folk magic mm-hmm. that you can pass on. You bet I do. I know the economy is extremely hard right now. Rent is high. Grocery prices are out of their ridiculous. So, from the guest BZ, if you keep a piece of the host in your wallet, you'll never go broke. Okay. Well, I best get to church with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, how are we going to manage that in a room full of pagans? But I'm sure we can press Oh, I'm sure we can sneak in and get a cookie. And- <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know what's real funny? I have like a whole pack of them at home. <laughs> but I've been properly blessed by the priests and Not everything even. done correctly. Okay, so in Ottawa, they have a Christian sort of wholesale store where priests actually <laughs> shop for their goods. And yes. their There's one in Bears Lake. Oh. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I haven't seen one yet. So one of the to show up. Yeah, it yeah. used to be downtown. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it's interesting you say that because it was about eight years ago. I thought, you know what? Maybe my daughter and I'll get an apartment. We'll sell our house. And someone said to me, "Go get a statue of Saint Joseph. Yeah. Put it upside down upside. in your front yard, and, you'll sell. and your house will sell immediately." And I said, "Oh." So I went to the the Christian Catholic book place there in Bears Lake. And so, well, I'm looking for a little statue, a little figurine of St. Joseph. They're like, well, which Joseph? Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm just going to shot in the dark here. I said, the one that will sell your house. They said, oh, right this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a common one. Yeah, exactly. I've never heard of such a thing. I, said, oh, I still have that statue at home. Ready to go. When you I just did make my decision. My well, in all honesty, you don't really need a statue at the moment, yeah. you don't. You might need a little box, but right <laughs> now. Within the remember. next year, yeah. things are going to be nice. No, that's so, wonderful. A piece of the host. Well, you know what? Mm-hmm. I may have to go to uh, to church with. I do go to my to church with my mother quite my parents quite when, frequently when, when I go home because it makes my mother happy. And I have a little game. I watch on my watch how long it is until they lose me, until <laughs> they say something that I think, oh. <laughs> the longest ever was 29 minutes very good <laughs> but I'll get my mom to save a piece when you get the house mom just break yeah. a little piece off yeah yeah. I started going back to church when I moved in Halifax um, family was like a Christmas and Easter kind of 
church-going folks, and even then they never really went. So I decided to do this really for myself and explore different parishes. Um, so far, surprisingly enough, I went to an Anglican church for Good Friday. Their ritual was so heartfelt and solemn, it made me cry. I was like, Lovely. Oh, wow, they've really upped their game. This is good. <laughs> Another wonderful yeah. place to go, and this is a little, not really a plug, but that I find very meaningful is I go to the Unitarian Church often. Yes. They're very, you know, your life and your spirit and mm -hmm. getting through things. If you didn't want a specific dogma, yeah. they're really wonderful if you mm -hmm. haven't been in the Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the United Church is nice too. Without pressing you, without without judgment, without whatever, I don't I I, I don't want to stop up the creative flow. Where are you in the book writing process? Because I'm already that wanting was to sort of one of my questions was I mean I'm really thrilled there's a demand. <laughs> As a struggling millennial, I'm like ooh, um, but yeah, at the moment it's just in the beginnings. I'm yes, still right. doing my research, collecting as many notes as I can, writing introductions to chapters, organizing the table of contents. Like I'm very much in the beginning stages of it. But my plan, of course, is to keep doing it voraciously. And I do plan to do a second book on French-Canadian witchcraft. So Excellent. Very I'm going nice. to have a whole book dedicated to Acadian culture and folk magic and another one just not Quebec or French-Canadian culture. They both are very, very different. different yeah. Yes. Worthy yeah. of good attention. So. Yeah. Are you going to do any traveling down the French shore, talking <sighs> to people? I would love that. Yeah. So I would love that. But I think the only way I can do that is if I get a grant from like a cultural society somewhere. Like the government does that sometimes, I think, because I don't drive. <laughs> I have no license. And I have no time or money to really travel. So yeah. for now, it's strictly web organize and that. scholarly. You could use phones even. You know, mm -hmm. the little on the phone. Yeah. Call their local councilman or the local <laughs> priest or the something. Historical society. Historical society. Sure. Set up a Zoom meeting. That would be great. That's an idea. There is a wonderful cathedral. I'm going to mess up the words because I was raised Protestant, not Roman Catholic, and I know that cathedral is not every single church. There's a wonderful, very large Catholic church on the French shore, which has been sold because there's like seven there's seven families trying to support this giant building. And I think it's the biggest one on the French shore. They have, and the reason I'm thinking that it may apply to you and I don't know if they're still open or not it would be a shame they have like a museum it's in the Matagan area and full of relics full of magical um, and you can go in through the day and they just start asking for a little donation sort of thing and you can walk through and see the, the collection of relics and, and, and magical symbols and clothing and and that sort of thing. And I don't know what's happening to all that. I just heard, mm -hmm. I just heard just recently that it was up for sale down the French shore in the Matagan area. Mm -hmm. And when you're driving, you are like, am I in Europe? Like it's, it's a, I know it's I can a clapboard. It exactly. It's clapboard. I think so there it's, might be but it's a Rocky massive. Pie restaurant right next to it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we know. It's kind of like the Basilica and Shedekamp Cape Breton. You're like, exactly. where the heck did this, where come, did this from? come from? <laughs> this like is how, not downtown Montreal. No, this is <laughs> bigger than anything, anything yeah. in 500 miles or yeah. whatever. The, the yeah. difference between a cathedral and a church the cathedral, while also much bigger, is also run by a bishop. Yeah. Church is run by clergymen. See, it, it probably would not be run by a, a bishop. bishop. But, but I, um, yeah, I will 
it's I'm not sure if it's still open. I can Google that. Are you interested in the church or are you interested in the rapid pies? Well, I see, I can't, couldn't eat the rapid pie. Oh, okay. I'll go for they, the could, they wouldn't yeah. make vegetarian. Well, well the relics, but, no, I, I, yeah. when I saw that, I thought, I have to go in. I, you, when you go to Europe, it's like Disneyland, right? For the yeah. history buff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I went into every church. It did not matter. Like, no. I, I am a, that was my childhood in a nutshell. Yes, yeah. yes. exactly. Yeah. Uh, after Edward's wedding, I was that was my first time up that road, up that French Shore Road. And I was like, well, I guess Dave, we're pulling in there. And my daughter-in-law was like, I wanted to go to a church. I'm like, it's the most magical place on that so French Shore. Yeah, it's know? funny we're talking about it. And I'm going to go completely off topic here for a second. Because in Charlottetown PEI, there's a lot of really beautiful churches downtown. Mm-hmm. But modern churches... When did they lose their drive for creativity and beauty? Because they're all so boring and ugly. Yeah. I've been watching a lot of documentaries about Mormonism. And while, like, I don't care what Mormons say. You have a terrible religion. You should all listen to a podcast and learn not to be Mormon because it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But the worst part is their churches and their structures are so boring and terrible and They don't inspire... I think, you know, the idea of early church building, well, early medieval church building and that sort of thing was to inspire awe, to to focus you on on the transcendent. I think now all we're doing is trying to keep under the radar so the government doesn't come and collect taxes. Or or heat it cheaply because they're being, they don't have the money to whatever, but do we have to sacrifice beauty and that which inspires awe? Yeah. Even the windows in like the older churches and all that, a lot of the time the windows were put in in memory of someone who passed away. So if yeah. that church is 100, 130 years old, yeah, yeah. it's got a lot. And I mean, they used to build them of all the dark wood. Some of these little churches in, you know, little communities that now are basically not used are just beautiful. Well, I know in Parsborough, for instance, a, a little maritime community that's filled with artists and and that sort of thing. And because of COVID, again, the prices are out of out of this world. But a number of the churches there, and for such a small community, it had quite large churches of every denomination. You could buy it for a dollar. You had to have a plan. But they just wanted to unload the building to somebody that, who had the finances to take care of it, to heat it, to pay for a new roof. That's what's happened down in Yarmouth a few times. They yeah. sold a couple like the coffee shops or if you have an idea what to do with this building we'll give it to you really cheap and can prove that you can finance it so it doesn't fall down around you yeah. we yeah. will give it to you for cheap in uh in bridgetown down mm. in the valley there's this old united church that they oftentimes when they decommission a church they take the windows out but they yeah. didn't and this artist named don omen bought the church and she has her art gallery in the front and in the back, she's left the stage. She has musical things going on. Wonderful. Art is everywhere. Okay. It's painted. It's mag- Go there. It's magnificent. So oh, I, I feel I like we're, we're already kind of moving into <laughs> yeah. the second episode. So yeah. let's wrap okay. up Acadian folk magic, witchcraft. Do you have any other nuggets of wisdom you wish to give us? Well, for now, I would highly Evil. recommend... Um, folkloric sources for people who are interested in learning more. Um, there's Pan Anselm Chasson, who did a lot of work keeping track of the stories and the legends people would tell at kitchen parties. Um, you can also go to uh, Courir le Loup-Garou, which is a blog 
that I've found that basically has a treasure trove of folkloric spells from that region. But apart from that, just know that even if um, Acadians were here since 1604, do realize as well that they do have a very distinct culture. And I, my goal with Acadian witchcraft, in my opinion, for my own book and all that, is to steer away from the neo-pagan lens. Oh yeah, that's um, fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because I have this whole obsession started when I went to the archives of Canada and I found a little book called French Canadian Witchcraft by Beltane Lowen, written in 2003. And while their premise was intriguing, given that, oh yeah, French Canadians are witchy, people do. And they had a bunch of proof yeah. to back it up, which I loved. They really kept solid to the Golden Dawn of the Wiccan way of doing things. Right. Which I was like, oh. Didn't do your research do to back that up. Yeah. 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 This, yeah. No, this feels shoot in. I, that's not what I would like for my book. So trust that I am doing a lot of scholarly research, heavy research. So it might be a while until it's out, but it will be very worth it when it does. Please keep us up to date because we are very excited. And I also think maybe we might need a part two after we take our road trip. We will call you. Coming on or right here. We will bring you. Yes, that's that's what (laughs) I mean. Like we're going on the road trip because that's something you need to see. And we all want to see it as well. And wrestling. Courtiers and all of that. It's going to taste like home. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so thank you so very much. Yes. Yes. This was amazing. Thank you very, very much for coming. It's been very, very interesting. Well, everyone, uh, we've come to the end of our show, and we would like to thank everyone for listening. And if you had any comments or questions, suggestions, you can contact us on our Facebook page. And you can also give us the old star or thumbs up or... Whatever we do there to say that you enjoyed yourself. I want to put in a plug to ask our lovely listeners to go over to thecoast.ca and nominate us in the podcast category. We're going to cross Jordan Bonaparte. Because <laughs> <laughs> we... He's the guy who wins it every year. He's oh. a nighttime podcast. Well, that's but, really nice. Because <laughs> the um, nominations are open until July 24th, is yes. my understanding. But go in, nominate us. We would love that. Three Witches and a Druid Podcast would like to take a moment to thank our amazing Patreon supporters. Today, we shout out to Danny, Tania, Sarah, Lore, Kay, Linda, Jennifer, Highland Horde, and Larry. Without your generous support and contributions, we couldn't bring you this magical content. And we thank you for listening. Okay, so until next time, everybody, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and Merry Meet again. Blessed Blessed be. be. This has been Three Witches and a Druid Podcast. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.